This message was presented at the GYC 2014 conference at the Cross in Phoenix, Arizona. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Okay, thank you. And uh, once again, we want to welcome you to Holy Sexuality. We want to talk about the issues that, that you deal with on a regular basis. As a matter of fact, speaking from Coming Out Ministries, each one of my colleagues and I not only struggled with homosexuality, but also with lust, with uh, pornography addiction. And so we want to talk about the things that we just aren't talking about in church culture. As a matter of fact, we have uh, Taylor Hinkle with us this morning or this afternoon, and he's going to give us his testimony about uh, coming out of sexual sin as well. So I hope that you'll uh, keep your ears open and your, and your minds open. And if you have any questions, we have a box in the back you can submit your questions to. You can also use the telephone number on the screen to send in your questions as a text message. And we'll compile them together. And on Sabbath afternoon, we're going to have a, a powerful Q&A where we're going to answer the questions that you ask. So at this time, would you bow your heads with me in prayer as we open up our afternoon session? Father, thank you again for this opportunity to speak to young people. And I remember, Lord, when I was 20 years old and walked out of church culture, I couldn't get any answers, Lord, for the issues that I was struggling with inside my heart. Not only that, but I didn't feel safe to even go to anyone in the church. And so I thank you, Lord, that I wasn't lost to you and that you still brought me back and you gave me another opportunity, Lord, to not only learn about your goodness, but also to get the answers to those questions that were burning in my heart. My desire, Lord, is that my friends, my young friends here this morning, and some of us not so young, but Lord, that you would still, as you have poured out to me, Lord, we want to pour out to them. Lord, allow your angels to come and sit with us. And I pray, Lord, that you would remove every evil uh, spirit that's in here. And Lord, that you would open up again the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to speak to each one of us through Taylor and also through uh, Wayne as they speak to us today. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm excited to talk to you this morning, this afternoon. Can you hear me fine? Does that work? I guess that's a light, not a microphone. My name is Taylor Hinkle, and I'm so excited to talk to you because there's nothing worse in my life than sexual addiction. I've I've dealt with things from drug addiction to um, all sorts of other things that are sins in my life, but there was nothing more grasping than the sin of pornography, of masturbation, of those, of those things that doesn't get talked about very frequently. And I want to let you know that there is hope, and so I'm excited to be able to share with you this morning. So I was raised in an Adventist home, very good Adventist home. My mother is sitting here with us today. You can interview her about it afterwards. And there was issues in the home, even though we, were, we went to church our whole lives, I went to church school my whole life. I've been in Adventist school my whole life. And my dad was depressed bipolar, which caused a little bit of conflict in the home. You know, some days he would be okay. Some moments he would appreciate you. Other moments he would feel like you're the worst person in the world. And I was talking to Mike. I can't think of specific words that were used, but all I know is I felt demeaned and belittled. Um, I could be, you know, my dad could be yelling at me one moment. We walk into church. He's an elder there. Be kind and nice to everyone else and then turn and chew me out in front of everyone. And so I, I didn't find fulfillment through family, and my brother and I didn't have the greatest relationship. Sometimes we had tension, and that's to put it very lightly. Um, to be very honest, you know, 
my brother got it hard from my dad, and then he would reciprocate it to me. And it was always looking for something to fulfill the desire that was missing in my heart for acceptance. I remember at the age of eight years old at my little church school that probably only had about 20 people in it at the time, that a little boy, he was in fifth grade, brought a picture that was pornographic and showed it to me. And that was my first introduction to pornography. I didn't even know what it was. It was kind of appalling. I didn't understand it or anything like that. And before I knew it, it was something that was riveting in my life. By the age of 10, it was kind of a common place. And for seven years, I struggled with looking at these things, with the, the anxiety that goes along with knowing you're living a life of hypo hypocrisy, um, of struggling with the joy. I mean, you enjoy it, but yet you don't want to do it. And it's just you're, you're torn and you're in a dichotomy. And to medicate, since I didn't have any peace in life, I remember trying to turn to things um, such as street racing, drugs, anything that could maybe bring me some satisfaction, loud music, media, trying to drown out my own thoughts so that I didn't even have to deal with the thought of who I was and where my life was going. And that continued till I was about 15 years old, and I remember just the misery, not feeling accepted, struggling with the one thing that I felt was the dirtiest thing that I couldn't talk about. You hear people share testimonies about alcohol. You hear them share testimonies about other things, but I never heard someone share a testimony about struggling with pornography or anything like that. But I remember when I was 15 years old, I was driving from school, or maybe I was 16 by then, and I was listening to some rap music, and all of a sudden I remember just thinking how empty life was. And so I turned off the music, and I remember just talking to God. It wasn't a formal prayer or anything like that, but I just said, Lord, if you have something better for my life, I want to know what it is. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know the steps of becoming a Christian or anything like that. But I remember going home, and I, I didn't listen to that music anymore. I actually decided to throw the CD away. And I thought, you know, maybe if I give my life to God, everything will be fine. I remember pastors making appeals at church during that time period, and I would go forward, but yet I would still go home and fall back into pornography. I, I didn't seem to have the victory there. Well, one day I went over to my friend's house, and um, we got drunk to the point where I was so drunk I punched myself in the forehead and bruised myself. Don't ask me why. It doesn't make sense. But I remember going back, and the last thing my friends told me was, hey, whatever you do, don't drive home. Well, I didn't think that'd be a problem because it was my mom's car and I figured she was going to drive home. So I walk back to where my mom works, which is the conference office, and I walk back and I meet my mom and she gives me the car keys and she says, hey, why don't you go ahead and drive for us? And I realized at that point I, had, I could either admit that I was drunk, which she had no idea that I was involved in that lifestyle, or I could risk killing us in a car accident. So I decided to go with the safer, humanly speaking, of the two options. And so I said, Mom, you know, I can't drive. I'm actually drunk right now. And I was expecting my mom just to yell or to get frustrated or whatever it would be, but there was nothing. You know, she just took the car keys back, went over to the driver's seat, and we started driving home. And I remember telling my mom, I said, you know, I want a different life. I just don't know how to do it. I'm, I'm addicted to drugs. I'm addicted. I have bad friends. Obviously, these are the things I'm into, and I don't know how to get out of it. And I don't remember the whole conversation in detail, but I remember that evening, my mom and I knelt down, and she led me through how to give your life to God. You know, God will forgive your sins if you confess them, 1 John 1, 9. And it was just such a beautiful experience. And even though I'd had a terrible day, I recognized that I could still give my life to Christ. And I thought at that moment that everything else would, would fall off as well. 
Well, it wasn't too much later that I realized that I was still falling into pornography. I was still falling into masturbation, and I would be praying, asking God to change my heart, and struggling with this, this issue still. About two weeks after that, my mom got a letter from my dad that he left on the pillow of the bed that said, you know, I wanted to let you know that I've, um, I've been in an affair, and I want to leave, and um, I'm not interested in continuing a relationship. And so my mom came down, brought me the letter, and immediately the thought came to my mind, see what happens when you follow God? You know, God doesn't allow good things to happen to you. And then the thought that came immediately after that was, do you recognize the misery you were in before you gave your life to God? And I recognized at that point, even though I couldn't have told you where the verse was at that time, the thought came to my mind that I will be a father to the fatherless. I'll bring fulfillment to the things that you don't have fulfillment in. And I began to pray and I pleaded with the Lord. I said, Lord, I want to understand what it means to be a Christian. I don't know how. It's not okay that I'm struggling with pornography. I want this out of my life. You came to deliver us from sin, not just to console us in our suffering. And Lord, I, I'm just pleading that you would give me victory. I would go back and I, I decided that the same amount of time I would spend in looking up car parts and watching movies and the music I was listening to, that I would spend that time studying the Bible. And about two hours every morning, I would spend just pleading with the Lord in prayer, agonizing in the Bible. And I still didn't have complete victory in this area. And I remember talking to my mom and saying, Mom, you know, I don't understand it. You know, I'm praying that the Lord would change my heart. I'm praying that he would change my mind. But there's still this desire for the things that are not of God. And, you know, she would, she would pray with me. We would have time together. And one time that happened is I started dating a girl. And for three months, I hadn't looked at pornography. I hadn't been involved in anything like that. And I thought that the Lord was, you know, had sustained me, which he had given victory. But I chose to go back. And I remember one day going onto a computer. And I wasn't going to look at anything, but I was going to look at something, if any of you understand what I mean. And so you, you recogn I recognized that I was looking at stuff. And then I'm like, oh, man, this is totally wrong. So I, I remember going to my girlfriend and I said, hey, you know, I want to apologize. I know you don't know about this, but it was wrong against you. I looked at things I shouldn't have today. And she was so upset. Um, that's not my wife, just letting you know. Um, she was so upset. You know, she started, um, yeah, actually yelling, you know, just vehement. Couldn't believe that I would do those things. And for the first time in my life, I saw the impact of my sin on someone else. And I started to think of, man, how could I ever do this to her again? You know, it ripped her apart. It tore her up. Like, I can never do this to her again. And then the thought came, then how can you do it to me? How is it possible that we can continue to do this to God, even though we can't ever imagine doing it to a human we appreciate? And I pray that the Lord would help me to experience the, the true victory that he had. And so from that point on, I don't know exactly what shifted. Like Ellen White says, we don't know the science of salvation necessarily. We can't explain every detail. But from that point on, the Lord helped me to recognize the weight of my sin and what it did to his heart. And I began to spend more time in the Bible. I recognized that I couldn't listen to the music that talked about women and all these things and expect to not fall into pornography. I understood that I couldn't be watching um, secular media because even commercials come on that trigger your thoughts to something negative. And so I, I said, Lord, you know, I'm going to give that to you. I'm not going to watch television. I'm not going to watch movies. Now you can call me a, a weird person. That's okay. But the Lord's given victory in pornography. That was worth it to me. Amen. And so by God's grace, I was like, Lord, I'm going to spend time with you in your word. I remember reading through messages to young people, desire of ages, great controversy. And for the first time in my life, I had complete victory from pornography. I remember walking into my mom and saying, Mom, I can't even believe this. 
I don't even think the same way that I used to think. The, the th I can look at a person and not have the crazy thoughts that I would before. And it was amazing the work that God can do, not only in the actions, in other words, you're not looking at pornography, you're not engaging in masturbation, but now, by God's grace, you don't even think the same process you were thinking before. And it reminds me of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, where God says, If any man be in Christ, he's a what? A new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And by God's grace, when I experienced that, even though I knew the prophecies of Daniel and Revelation, I could tell you scientifically or archaeologically why the Bible was real. When I saw that God could change my thought process, I knew without a shadow of a doubt that we serve a God who is capable of anything in this world. And it was a God that I could trust. It was a God that I could serve. And it was a beautiful experience to know that God can provide victory. I remember sitting in my room, and I want to share with you some of the hope that God gave me during this time. Psalm 119 was a passage that I spent much time in. Psalm chapter 119 and verse 9 and I find this is a beautiful passage for those of us who recognize that our lives have not been lives of purity. And that doesn't just mean sexual purity, but all of us have sinned. And David asks this question, Psalm 119, verse 9, and he says, How can a young man cleanse his way? He says, By taking heed according to your word. I understood that God not only could forgive me of my sin, but 1 John 1, 9 says that he can cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and that God could provide the complete cleansing, even though it seemed completely impossible, but God was able to provide freedom. Now, I want to give you a, an idea of how long this took. There was two years where I felt that I was going back and forth, and if I could summarize it the best I could now, I wanted freedom from pornography, but I didn't want freedom from pornography, if you, if you know what I mean. You want freedom from the sin, and you know it's wrong, but yet at the same time, it's enjoyable. And it wasn't until I, I prayed, Lord, I don't even want to get rid of this. Humanly, I want to keep it. But by your grace, I want it to be out of my life that the, the Lord started to provide freedom. I don't know where you're at. If you're struggling, um, I believe we're all here for a purpose. God can provide freedom on any circumstances. Regardless if you haven't seen freedom in six months, six years, your whole life, God can still provide a way out for the struggles that you're facing. Now, I remember having devotions one morning, and I came to Ephesians chapter 3, and I was pleading with the Lord to give me some hope that morning. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 6, and I'm just taking you through the process of what my early Christian experience looked like. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 6, and Paul says this, actually Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 8, he says, unto me who am less than the least of all the saints. How many of you have ever felt like you're the least of all the saints. Lord, you know my heart. People, other people know my experience. But Paul says, unto me who am less than the least of the saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hid in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. I remember reading that that morning, and it was the first time that the Bible actually touched my heart in a, any way that actually touched my emotions, and I began to cry, and I said, Lord, how in the world can you use someone like me who's so defiled to ever do something for your glory? But, but God says, by using someone who's been defiled, I can show my power in their lives of what I can do through them. 
And I believe that this is the hope. I want you to remember that we serve a God who is able to accomplish anything, regardless of the despair that you're going through, regardless of what you've seen for your whole life. God is faithful to deliver, not only just to deliver you, but he's faithful to use you as a powerful testimony of what he can do. You know, by God's grace, um, I'm married to a woman who has, Mike would like her to come up here, so. You know, I'm married to a woman who has a totally opposite experience than what I've had. Um, I kind of joke about this, but she was raised in the middle of nowhere. I was raised in the middle of a city. I've had a struggle with sexual addiction, never had a struggle with that. The worst movie she's watched is Anne of Green Gable. That's, that's kind of my joke, but you know, it's just, by God's grace, he can redeem the life and bring beautiful things out of it. Amen. What you try to find satisfaction in with pornography, looking for fulfillment, looking for satisfaction, addiction of any other type, God can give you a purer form of joy than what anything else can ever offer. And I want to encourage you, be faithful. She was faithful. I was unfaithful. But yet God can redeem you, whatever your story is. Whether you've lived a life of sexual purity, praise the Lord, maintain it. Whether you've lived a life of sexual impurity, praise the Lord that he can change you and he can help you maintain it. So I want to encourage you, be faithful. You never know what God can do with your life. You may feel like you're the worst, but God promises that his grace is still sufficient. Wasn't that powerful? Come on, doesn't that give you hope? Oh, it gives me hope. I'm not married. <laughs> All right. That's what I was going for, I guess. So keep praying, right? At this time, we're going to uh, set up Wayne, and he's going to give us our afternoon presentation. Thank you so much, Taylor and Ariel. I met them last summer at the Michigan camp meeting, and, and just to hear his story, it just, I, I just knew that God wanted you to hear that today. So thank you again. And we'll now get ready for Wayne Blakely. Except I never put the remote clip in. There's so much technology today, I begin to forget pieces here and there, and I forgot to put the remote clip in, so. All right, I am standing in front of you today, not as, 
I'm standing in front of you today not as an educated person with a scholarly, scholarly degree, but with a personal testimony about what's possible through Jesus Christ. Amen. I went pretty low in my life, including 12 years of male prostitution. But there is no low, too low, that Jesus cannot reach you. Jesus is so patient and so incredibly loving. Um, for the last five years, I have been compelled to share what is possible in getting to know Jesus, and I'm still learning. Um, and so, again, with the questions that you send in, we learn so much through the Q&A. Uh, so please, don't, don't hesitate to text in any question that you might have that's been burning in your heart for so very long. And I would like to ask you at this time, just to bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, again we ask for the presence of the Holy Spirit and we ask for the covering of the blood of Jesus over this room and over the hearts, the precious hearts of the people in this room, Lord. That they would know that Jesus loves them so deeply that there is nothing that they have done that Jesus cannot redeem them from. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a relatively short uh, presentation. I'd like to invite you to take full advantage of the handout that's available. I believe it's gycweb.org. Uh, if you are impressed this afternoon, there's much more information in the handout, and, and I have a few with me. So if you'd like, you can come up afterwards, and I'll be happy to give you one. Um, <clears throat> uh, some of you may have heard my testimony. For those of you who have not, um, I was born to a mother who was adamant that she was going to have only a baby girl. And upon my arrival, I was uh, rejected and abused. Within the first two years of my life, she had broken my arm in two different places. At the age of two and a half years old, I was adopted by an aunt and an uncle. Uh, but Satan had only begun his work, <laughs> and Jesus never gives up with his. Satan's sole purpose is to overthrow God, painting God as being unfair and unjust. You might have had the most normal childhood, but it's likely that Satan has been tirelessly trying to convince you of one lie or another. His lie to me was that I am unwanted. When is it most advantageous? for Satan to gain control of our lives. Isn't it from the very beginning? Satan lied to me from birth. He told me the only way that I was going to be approved and accepted would be if I was that little girl that my mother wanted. I'm reminded in Psalm 51, 5 that says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. I believe it's vital that we help little ones engage in an intimate relationship with Jesus right from the very beginning. Amen. I'd like to ask you a question. Is it ever too late to engage in an intimate relationship with Jesus? No. I've spent the majority of my life desperately seeking love. Praise God, I have finally found it. Amen. So exactly how was it that Eve was deceived? She had truth. She had God in her presence every evening. 
She could ask him any question that she wanted. How did the serpent manage to get through to her? The truth would set her free, but what did she choose instead? Wasn't it her feelings? Without an intimate relationship with Jesus, we're in the very same danger. In the New Testament, Paul was speaking to rulers and leadership that opposed him, and his counsel to them also pointed back to original sin, referenced in 2 Corinthians 11.3. Paul makes this observation, But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. We are all uniquely made. Your temptations might be different from my temptations. Satan has a custom plan, but so does God. Satan yells. Jesus whispers. All these depictions initially feel good to the one who suffers from its effects. Satan has empty lies. Each of these behaviors have consequences. I don't know about you, but I can identify with more than one that, it's de that is depicted. Lust, pride, gossip, pornography, being gluttonous, adultery, homosexuality, or perhaps premarital sex. From God's point of view, all these are grievous and ugly sins. However, there's some incredibly good news. He provides freedom from every one of them. Our God is so patient, so loving, so forgiving. He won't call you to bear more than you can bear with his strength. So let's take a look at the sin process. Something is very important for us to remember is that temptation is not sin. But what are you doing with your temptations? Have you ever thought about the sin process? Let's take a look. It starts with a disturbance. The prince of darkness is at work with all kinds of sensual allurements and distractions. We must walk so closely with God and cling to him and remember, stay clear, don't go near the tree. Enticement. Once we get close to what the enemy is offering, contemplating our feelings rather than God's facts, we're on the slippery slope. It's important for us to put safeguards in place. For example, an accountability partner. Also, focus on reaching out to God through prayer and the power of his word. Remember that his word hidden in your heart is the key to overcoming sin. Conception. At this point, Satan has a grasp on you. He's convinced you that your feelings are stronger and more important than truth. Without divine intervention, you are likely to follow, follow, follow through with the plan of the enemy of God. From experience, I can tell you this is pretty convincing. Action. Now he's got you. Trapped. 
Satan and your feelings are now holding you captive. Your mind and your flesh are becoming uh, seared with his lies, and you might begin to adopt thoughts that make you feel justified. You're in danger of exchanging God's truth for the lies that are being offered you on your behalf, praying that uh, I'm praying, hopefully prayers are being prayed on your behalf, praying that your heart will not become hardened and that you can hear the whispers of the Holy Spirit. My parents prayed for me for nearly 40 years. Prayers are heard and prayers are answered. Sin has a price. Sin has to be destroyed. Jesus paid the price for sin so that, we might be, so that we might be able to ask for forgiveness and receive it and start a new life with him. But the day is rapidly approaching where decisions will have to be made and no one will find that they will respond to the will of God in their hearts. Life is so very short, but it doesn't have to end this way. Are you challenged by the meaning of the word love today? You may hear messages, even in our churches today, campuses and, and, and universities that are reshaping God's pure love for a love that appeals to your flesh. Have you adopted these worldviews? Have you bought into the idea that, sin, that, that um, love actually means permission? 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. God loves you more than I have words for. You matter. You belong. You're loved. For you and I, it's not important that we accept what's going on around us. We don't answer to others. We answer to our Father who knows our hearts, who gave us our very breath of life. Please don't be consumed by the lies rapidly circulating under Satan's rule, the Prince of Darkness. Don't be conformed to this world, but, by the trans but be transformed by the renewing of your hearts. Do you have strong feelings? I lived by mine for many years. They were my truth. I guarded them and I defended them. In the book, Counsels to the Church, Christian author Ellen White writes, strength of character consists of two things, power of will and power of self-control. Many youth, and I might add adults as well, mistake strong, uncontrolled passion for strength of character. But the truth is that he who is mastered by his passions is a weak man. The real greatness and nobility of the man is measured by the power of the feelings that he subdues, not by the power of the feelings that subdue him. Is there a way out? Do you have an idea of how intimacy with God begins? Here's an example. 
I believe we're being shaken now. Many in and outside the church have become immune and numb to the warnings and invitations that Jesus offers. But Jesus doesn't give up. The second angel calls out in a distinctive voice that is shared in the writings of God's messenger, Ellen White. If you don't currently read her books, you're missing out on such an incredible blessing. She was also appointed and anointed to share God's distinct light and clarity to us. She writes, said the angel, nothing less than the whole armor of righteousness can enable a man to overcome the powers of darkness and to retain the victory over them. Satan has taken full position of the churches as a body. The sayings and doings of men are dwelt upon instead of the plain, cutting truths of the word of God. The spirit and friendship of the world are at enmity with God. When the truth in its simplicity and strength, as in Jesus, is brought to bear against the spirit of the world, it at once awakens the spirit of persecution. Many who profess to be Christians have not known God. The natural heart has not been changed, and the carnal mind remains at enmity with God. They are Satan's faithful servants, notwithstanding they have assumed another name. Satan has woven a web around you, trying to make you think there's no way of escape. But Satan's a liar. You have all the power of God at your beck and call. Temptations, they'll be fired at you. But you've been set free by the blood of Jesus. You don't need to identify in your temptations any longer. I'm not a gay Christian. I'm a new creation in Jesus Christ. The armor of God is yours when you're on the battlefield of the lies of the enemy. So suit up with the armor of God. The breastplate of righteousness. Make decisions to accept more and more of his righteousness in your life. Choose his holiness. Surround yourself with his truth. Remember, God's message is a truth in love message. He has promised you peace and joy. Claim it. It belongs to you. Put on the shield of faith. Remember, faith replaces your feelings. Feelings are what Satan tries to use to convince you that the truth is his and it's a counterfeit. Wear the helmet of salvation. Remember, faith replaces your feelings. Your identity in Jesus is where you belong today. Submit your will to him. Don't let, let Satan penetrate your brain with the lies that you once believed. Live this new life in faith and trust in Jesus. He loves you so much. Keep the sword of the Spirit in your hand and in your heart. David writes to tell us God's word in our heart is there so that we will not sin against God. Commit his word to your memory. Replace old habits with new righteous ones. God will equip you. Develop intimacy with him. 
Spend time building that relationship. Do you need help? Do you sense the danger of the lies Satan has inflicted upon you? Do you see the great controversy? A little precious book that my colleague calls the first aid kit is something that I go to quite frequently. It's powerful and it has beautiful things to say. Here's a quote. Through, through the right exercise of the will, an entire change may be made in your life. By yielding up your will to Christ, you ally yourself with the power that is above all principalities and powers. You will have strength from above to hold you steadfast. And thus, through constant surrender to God, you will be enabled to live the new life, even the life of faith. Do you have a secret that you've been keeping? Are you trapped? My friend, it's not a secret to your father who loves you. And he died for you so that you could claim his blood. And that you, like me, can have victory over sin. Amen. David writes, in Psalm 19:12, keep your servant from willful sins. May they not rule over me. I want to ask you this, this afternoon to just bow your head with me once more. Close your eyes for a moment. Now think about the Father, your Father, your Heavenly Father who loves you so, so much who hung on that cross, shedding blood so that you might have freedom, the freedom he purchased for you. GYC is a place that has become instrumental in the changing of lives. Only the power of the love of Jesus can do that. Heavenly Father, you see each and every heart in this room. You know, Lord, what clings to our flesh. But Lord, we call upon you to set us free. We ask for the Holy Spirit to convict our hearts that freedom is possible, that we can surrender to you, Lord, and that we can develop intimacy that you intend for us to have, Lord. Help us to stop blaming you for what's wrong in our lives and blame that on the enemy. And to claim the peace and the joy and the freedom and the blood that you have provided for us. As every head is bowed, and as you have been listening to, to presentations today, whether, whether they be in this room or in another room, and you're sensing God's call on your heart and that you want to surrender something to him, I ask if you would please raise your hand. Is there something 
that is attached to you or that you are attached to that you want to give up. My colleagues, see your hands. My colleagues are available at the rear of this room as you exit, and we will pray with you, and we want you to stick with us throughout the remaining presentations throughout GYC, that you will come to us, that you will let us pray with you, that you will let us share with you the freedom that is possible through Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, you see every hand. You know every heart that is wanting to surrender to you, Lord. I ask that you send your peace, your forgiveness, your joy, your message of freedom, and the promise that we can be a new creation in Jesus. And I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was recorded at the GYC 2014 conference at the cross in phoenix arizona gyc a supporting ministry of the seventh-day adventist church seeks to inspire young people to be bible-based christ-centered and soul-winning christians to download or purchase other resources like this visit us online at www.gycweb.org